Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, everyone. Just want to give a quick trigger warning. Uh, Due to the nature of the topic this week, our conversation does touch upon pedophilia. Just wanted to give a quick warning at the top. Now onto the show. Sandspants Radio, Australia's most procedurally generated podcast network. Hey everyone, welcome to Bookish. I'm George Demarellis. This is a show we ask you, what's your story and what does it say about you? Today on the show, we have author of very recently re- released The Paris Affair, Pip Drysdale. How are you doing, Pip? Hey, good to see you. You too. Well, thanks for being on the show. No problem. Okay, you've, you, uh, I can tell your energy has switched significantly <laughs> from that interview to, before you were all happy. Right? Now you're like, okay, now it's time to be professional. This is Pip Drysdale, uh, the author. No, I'm going to be a grown-up. I'm a professional, okay? <laughs> I can do this. <laughs> okay, I feel like we're relaxing again very quickly. <laughs> thank you for okay. the point is uh, thank you for being on the show. Um, I, as we just mentioned before starting, you are an author now. You're uh, formerly before that. You did a bunch of creative stuff. Um, yeah. So that's including acting and some musician. Yes. Um, Songwriting. <laughs> um, and. Yeah, so and then welcome here. So I guess the first thing we'll do is since uh you know it's what is currently probably occupying a lot of your brain, uh, let's talk yeah. a bit about your book. So the Paris Affair just oh. came out last week. Yes, on Wednesday. Yeah, and yes, yeah, so it's out now. Um, and it, yes. it's your third book. Yes, which is exciting. So the first, yeah, the first one was called um, the Sunday Girl, and the second one was called um, the Strangers We Know. Um, and both of those did great. So it's very exciting, and yeah, that's awesome. Like that, yeah, yeah that's, really that's so cool. Like, as in, did you uh, were you always writing something, or did we actually come to the novel writing thing kind of late? Um, I came to novel like writing really late, but I, you know, when I look back, it seems like the obvious um, next step. Like, um, when I was really little, I was always writing stories, and then I was writing poems when I was a teenager, and then I was writing songs, um, and I was always really interested in story and telling stories um, through whatever creative mechanism I was working with at the time but books always felt like a really big undertaking like a really huge commitment you know and then for some reason at one some point it felt like something I truly wanted to do like it didn't feel like this mammoth impossible thing which it totally is just like full disclosure (laughs) (laughs) like that was a very silly move on my part because it's very hard but um but I love it it is mammoth you got to keep going Yeah. yeah Total commitment. You know, I'm actually really glad when I wrote the first one, though, that I didn't know how hard it was because I think if I truly understood what I was, like, getting myself into, I might not have had the gusto, but I was so naive, I, like, threw myself in, and it all worked out really well, but it is a lot of work. It's like you're three months in, you're like, ugh, I want to stop, but I've wasted this much time already. I'm just going to keep going. Yeah. Nice. Yes, exactly. (laughs) It's always the secret I've found a lot of times. Uh, So with the first, like, how long... Does each book take roughly the same time? Did you get faster right after the first one? Um, okay. So the first one took, I'd say, I don't know. It was like the first part of writing a book for me is really slow. It takes me a period of time to really figure out where I want to go with it and feel my way. And that has been consistent with all three. Like the first part takes the longest. Once I get halfway through a book, 
it's quick because by that point I know who everyone is. I know the world they live in. I have an idea of how I want it to end. I know what the major issues are. Um, so that's like quick, the second half, but the first half is really, really slow. So with the, the Sunday girl, let me think, I'd say the first draft took somewhere between, I don't know, probably took six to nine months, you know, cause I started it and the first two chapters probably took three months and then the rest of the first draft took six months. So it's really difficult to say, but the first book from first sentence to publication was three years, which felt like an age at the time, but is actually really quick. Yeah. So, um, and then the second one, um, I had a false start of a manuscript between my first and second book. So that was not a good, a good manuscript. (laughs) And <laughs> when you say that, do you mean like you got halfway through and you're like, this is garbage? This no, is- I got I got the whole way through. Oh, right. But it was just one. Yeah, no, I'm a finisher, man. If I start, this thing is happening. Okay. <laughs> for better or for worse, I'm finishing. You gotta jump on the quitting bandwagon. <laughs> I'm a big fan. I love quitting early. Oh my God. I need the quitting yeah. wagon, man. But I'm not. I'm like, once I commit, I'm in, right? That's probably why you're a well-published author at this point, and I don't have anything. So <laughs> Oh, thank, except an amazing podcast that I'm now terrified of, but, <laughs> but, um, yeah. So, and then I actually wrote my second book. The first draft of that probably took, um, I'd say like five months once I started a totally new story. I think it was like, you know, if the idea is not right and it doesn't, it's not something I'm excited about. It's really difficult to turn up on the page the whole time and really difficult to, um, to get into the world of the character. So once I found a story that was fun and exciting to me, it was a lot quicker. So, mm. so yeah. And then the third one, how long has that taken? Let me see. I started, I was in Paris doing research from, I'd say, August till November, December in 2019. And then I finished it in the middle of 2020, um, like May and then May, June. And then we did rewrites. So they're all about the same amount of time, mm. you know. I love it. You're just like, oh, I'm going to go do, what are you doing in Paris? Oh, just research for my book. Like that is. (laughs) (laughs) It was really cool. And you know, I'm so glad I did it. Like now that we can't go anywhere, I'm just like so deeply grateful that I had that time there because, you know, at the time it was hard, like it was hard work and stuff. Being in a city all by yourself, like trying to bang out a book and like learn whatever you need to learn. It's always like, you know, it sounds a lot more glamorous on the outside than it is when you're actually living it, right? But now all I remember are the fantastic things. Yeah. And even like, it, right? is, it is definitely pretty glamorous compared to like just sitting at yeah. home on your couch <laughs> watching Which is Netflix. what I've been doing for a year yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like we get it, it's Sorry. work. I'm not saying there's no work involved. I'm just saying it's different when you can go but to also... a French restaurant at, <laughs> at night and drink wine with locals. Yeah. Like, it's a bit of a different vibe, I'm just saying. So true. Yeah. Slightly different, It's, like, yeah, it's yeah. still work, yeah. all right? <laughs> it's... Just so you know, I wasn't just lounging around. <laughs> If anything, it makes me more suspicious <laughs> that you were just left around. <laughs> no, but that that is amazing because like, so did you, in terms of, I'm so yeah. interested in the business behind of what you're saying because I haven't actually really cut, discussed that with anyone. So like, so if, I guess okay. the two, well, firstly, I guess, did this Paris thing, was that something where your publisher is like, yeah, we'll send you there to do that? Yeah. No, no, no. They don't send me. They didn't send me to Paris. I'm a real, I'm very um, method. Like I actually need to know a place really well in order to write about it. So um, if you get to reading the Paris Affair, you'll get a feel for how much of my lived experience there actually ended up in the book. And if I hadn't been there, if I'd been sitting at home um, in Australia, looking at Google Maps, for example, I would have written a very different book because I just wouldn't have known. I just wouldn't have known the things, you know. So I always write about places where I have spent a significant amount of time, even if it wasn't like yesterday. I need to know it quite well. It has to be somewhat in my bones. Mm. So I pitched the book to them because I had Paris on the brain. I was kind of I was living in London at the time, and I was going to go across. Um, and my publisher asked what I was planning for my next book, and I had this kind of idea that it would be in Paris. And I had an idea about it, but I wasn't totally committed at this point, but then she loved it. So then I was like, well, okay, so now I need to write a book in Paris because like, this is my job and I need to get paid. Yeah. So, <laughs> so off I went. Done. I got to go live in Paris and write a book. It. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's very job. hard. <laughs> I love it. So you're just like, I, what's the next, where's the next book? Oh, I'm Santorini, the Greek islands, uh, that one. And then 
<laughs> Do you know though? I went to Santorini directly after Paris because my sister was living there. So totally could have. That's weird, but okay. <laughs> I was just picking another luxury destination that you're just writing about. Right. That's hilarious. Um, so that was this one now, which is awesome. The fact that they help you with that. But with the first book, yeah. Did you like? How did that work? I guess. How did you become an author? Like, as in, how did I? Um, who's that, how many people are successful think. with their first book? That I feel like that's not that common. I know. I was um, really lucky in some ways. And I, I think, but I don't want to say that because, you know, if anyone's listening and they're writing a book, some of it does come down to luck, but a lot of it comes down to huge amounts of perseverance. So I don't want to say, oh, I was lucky. And then people think that actually that's all it is because it really takes so much work. And if you want to have a manuscript out there and you're listening to this, please put the work in and just keep putting the work in and take feedback. And if it's um, not right, make it right. You know, like, I think, I think it's really important that people who want to be writers understand that. Mm. Right. Um, but the first book, let me think, I, um, I'd gone through a really bad breakup and I was pissed as hell with him. And so I, the first book, I don't know if you've ever, if you've heard anything about it, but it's about a girl who takes revenge on her ex-boyfriend using the art of war. Okay, so I had a lot of feelings inside me that I needed to get out. <laughs> I like, real subtle as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really making a metaphor and here. This People was like, a what very... is she trying to say here? Is this about her? Yeah. Her feelings? It's like, no, no, it's about her wanting to kill a guy. <laughs> yeah, basically. But, you know, and then a lot, of my, a lot comes into it. Like once you start in a manuscript, you realize how many other levels there are to it and how, what you're actually trying to say and what you're trying to put across to people so that they understand and why you are so drawn to the story. And so you take all that in. And then after I'd finished it, um, I sent it to some agents who, bless them, came back with actual suggestions, not just those form letter um, sort of no's. They came back with actual suggestions like a cold, um, to make it better. Was that like a cold sending? Like as in you just yeah. randomly emailed them? I just found some agents. Well, I found agents who were taking um, submissions and I sent them, like I sent sort of three at a time. And then um, they... They'd give me advice and I would change the manuscript and then I'd send it out to someone else. And then eventually I got published. So it was not a, um, it was not an overnight thing. It took a huge amount of tenacity and perseverance and willingness to take on what other people were saying about it, you know, because the kind of books that I write are a little bit polarizing, you know, um, I write these women who they're not typical, like they're deeply flawed um, in really adorable ways, because, you know, I think anyone who's truly lovable is flawed, right? I don't feel like a perfect person is, is that lovable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was going to say, they're the doing the wrong thing at the wrong time. It's hilarious. I know, I hate you. <laughs> but yeah, they're doing the wrong thing. So they do the wrong thing and what people don't like that? Well, no, I think it's just, um, I don't know. Some people love it. Like, don't get me wrong. I have the most amazing readers. So they truly get behind my characters and barrack for them. But, you know, if you, on the very rare occasion where I'm stupid and go on Goodreads and look at like the bad reviews, it's always the same kind of thing. You know, she was so stupid or she was sniveling or she was, and I'm like, no, she was like responding like a human being, you know, like, so, yeah. um, so I don't know. <laughs> Do you do much of the – I feel like Goodreads reviews, that's not a good place to go if you want to read. This is not a good place, no. hey. I've had to block it on my computer. I have blocked it stuff. on my computer. That is not – Oh, my God. And, you know, like I just – yeah, it's not healthy. I don't go on there. So, But I – well, no, I try not to go on there, okay? There's a very dark, compulsive part of me <laughs> that occasionally goes on there and I remember why I don't go on yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it, – it doesn't ever get fun, but I guess it gets easier. Although, like, getting the bad. Yeah. The first time you're like, oh, my well, God, also, this is so rude. You're <laughs> I'm like, a human being. I know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But also, I, I mean, like, the good ones, people tend to email me. So I'll get, like, um, or they post on Instagram and they tag me and mm. stuff. So, you know, you tend to see the good ones without going on there. So that it's not entirely necessary yeah, yeah. to go on there. And, uh, like, so, yeah. If, uh, one thing I have actually do, I've done for fun before, which might say a lot about me as a person, but um, it might make you feel yeah. better possibly. Go on Goodreads yeah. and look up one-star reviews of like the greatest works of literature. Oh, yeah, <laughs> and totally. And there's that. On, yeah. Yeah. Go on Pride and Prejudice. They're like, oh, they just want to fuck each other. What is this uh, bullshit? You know, it's, you'll get all that. So. I know that's so true. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Then maybe that'll give you some perspective doing a bit of that. It does. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess like to get a bit of background on you before we get into the book and stuff as well. So you yeah. – you, you had this breakup. You went to become an author. Before then, you were doing acting. You mentioned doing method and stuff. Yeah, I was doing a bit of acting. 
I was doing a bit of acting. Um, I was doing um, write. I wrote songs and toured with music stuff um, for years. That was like my predominant. Yeah, that was my major thing. But when I was over in the US, I mean, in sorry, not the US, although I did there a little bit too. But when I was over in the UK, I did like a lot of festivals because I was folk pop. So it was kind of me and a guitar or me and a piano. And so there were a lot of little festivals that I could do. And I don't know. I really loved it. It was it's a completely different person than I am now. It's so weird. Like I look back and they're very different chapters of my life. And I feel like you change as a human and then like what you're attracted to as a creative outlet changes. But at the time that really mattered to me. Right. That's uh, that's kind of, that's really cool. Yeah. And you're, so you're on your own though. You were just, you and the guitar on stage and just traveling around. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I know. I don't think I'd do it now, but at the time I was like, I totally did. That's cool. And like, and, and just to go back, cause I saw as well, you, were you born in South Africa? Is that right? Yeah. I was born in Cape Town. Cape Town, right. And, so. then, and then from there you moved to the UK or you moved to Australia or? Um, no, I moved to Australia when I was seven. So we lived in Melbourne actually for um, years. And then I moved to Zimbabwe because my dad um, was from Zimbabwe. And then we, when Mugabe um, went totally, well, just before he went, properly off the rails we came back to australia um to perth and then i went to new york and then oh lots of things yeah that's that's sorry it seems like you've jumped around you're very international in your lots of things so in new york you were doing the acting stuff yes that's where i started acting and um and then i came back to australia and went to university and then went to london and yeah That is lots of things. (laughs) Yeah, lots of things. And was it all very strange being grounded, to be honest? Like to be stay still for so long is really unusual for me. But I mean, I think it's actually really healthy. It's kind of, I don't think I've ever been this chilled out. (laughs) It's almost (laughs) like there's a reason the whole world does it. (laughs) You don't just go to Paris. Yeah, I know. I know, but it's actually very chill staying still. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's good. Is that a part of what you were growing up? You felt like you always wanted to kind of move around and get away and. I think you know what happens is that if you do move a lot when you're a kid, you um, you become accustomed to it. And then as an adult, you tend to continue with that, you know. So so for me, it was like a very comfortable space to be moving around a lot. Whereas maybe if I'd never moved around a lot, it wouldn't have been comfortable for me, you know. Whereas for me, it's more uncomfortable staying still, if that makes sense, because I'm less accustomed to it. No, it makes sense. Like, I get that whole vibe, especially yeah. like after a year or two, you just almost be like, oh, getting a bit of an urge to yeah and there's like a whole world out there and it's interesting and you can learn new things and see new things and um also i have a sagittarian moon sign i don't know if you know anything about astrology but i feel like this explains a lot okay (laughs) i don't uh but i do know yeah i think i'm an aries moon sign are you okay yeah i get that from you actually i can really get that (laughs) yeah i'm a cancer with i think an aries moon i think i don't know what Okay, that's interesting. I think that's yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah, something rising. Yeah, mean signs your emotion. Mean um, signs are your emotional needs. So mine is like Sagittarius, which is like all travel, philosophy, um, meeting new people, learning new things. Um, right. So yeah. So okay, so it's interesting you're saying that. So from an emotional point of view, you're saying it wasn't just you wanting to see new yeah. places. It's also probably like, look, I don't want to go too deep into uh, past relationships yeah. and things like that. But it sounds like that would impact that sort of yeah. stuff as well. Oh yeah, no, totally. Definitely. Yeah, even like leaving. Because you learn new things from different people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, which makes it fun, but yeah. it's hard to. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of the same. I yeah, like yeah, you, it's <laughs> interesting. Seeing it, and I think that it's funny you're saying that as you're saying like you also did the whole touring stuff with music and all that because I feel yeah, like, yeah, it appeals to certain types of people I think who enjoy. Yeah, if you're a slightly nomadic, mm. you know, and you want to see new things and learn new things and um, experience the world in different ways. Because I do think that the more you move um, and the more you you learn about yourself and the world around you, mm. you know, and, um, and I mean, all that stuff comes into my work. It's I'm deeply grateful in hindsight, actually, that I have kind of lived the life I've lived because it has taught me things that are very useful to me now. You know, I didn't entirely know that when I was doing it. I was kind of just living my life. But in hindsight, it's been very useful. Definitely. Okay. And that's, I a hundred percent agree. Although see me and you are yeah. talking to each other as really biased people who love that. So we're like, yeah, yeah. I know. I'm so travel. glad. Otherwise <laughs> yeah, they're the, we're the best. Aren't we just the best? Oh, God was so good being creatives who travel. Oh my God. It's just, you're right. It is that's the best. So, <laughs> oh my God. That's so true. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. But um, okay. Oh. So 
we'll start on the book and then we'll probably come back to some of this stuff as we go. Um, yeah, cool. The, so your book of choice for today is a very fun one. Uh, yeah. You, you want to yeah. say what it is? It is? Lolita mm-hmm. by Nabokov. Mm-hmm. And uh, very uh, infamous book, I guess. Uh, yeah. I, I guess for a quick summary of it, for anyone who doesn't know what the lead is, it's essentially uh, a book written from the perspective of a pedophile who, and about his relationship with a 12-year-old girl. I guess that's the best summary of it. Yeah. Well, I know that is like on a very objective level, yeah, on the most high, a really good yeah, summary. Yeah, on the most- but I mean, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have done as well as it has done if there wasn't significantly more to it, oh, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I should obviously, clarify. Yeah, like, yeah, I feel like you need to yeah. jump in. You're like, ah, oh, just to clarify. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, so just let's halt here. <laughs> this is not saying <laughs> anything about, about how beautifully. <laughs> is- yeah. <laughs> no, like, okay, just to clarify then for anyone who doesn't isn't aware as well, uh, consistently ranked, before I'd read, I, it blew my mind the whole time, consistently ranked yeah. across any any poll anywhere as one of the greatest books ever written in the history of the human race. Yeah. Across countries, across everything. It's ge- like how widely regarded it is considering the subject matter. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. So like, yeah. But I think that's what made it so fascinating to me. Uh, that was actually the book that made me want to write books. Oh, right. So um, the, like that's my why it's my favourite book. It is the book that made me really want to write books because for me what made it so fascinating was it is exactly what you've just said. But it's also so complex because it's beautifully written and it's poetic. And there are some some lines in there, they still blow me away. And his use of language, like I think there's one part where he's talking about his mother and he's talking about how she died. And he's like, he's like lightning, picnic. And I'm like, you know, in brackets, I can't remember the exact. And it's extraordinary. Like, um, and also it's funny. And it's, you know, you look at it and you go, how the hell can something like that be funny? And it's sad and it's tragic and it's sick and it's all these things all simultaneously and you find yourself kind of liking him, but he's clearly a sociopath and you can't quite figure out how like, how he's eliciting these emotions in you despite the fact that you know objectively it's sick, you know. So I think for me I, it was the comp- it was such a complex read and I don't know. I, for me, it's um, it's kind of I don't like to bandy around the word genius, but to me, that would be a work of genius. So yeah, I'm hundred percent agree. I uh, yeah, yeah, I think uh, like the fact that it's that subject matter is it's so like the, I remember I, I how old were you when you read it the first time? Um, I actually only read it the first time. I'd say city three okay right so yeah you knew well what yeah. you were going into <laughs> yeah. yeah totally yeah i did <laughs> yeah because i was the same but i was still like blown away i still remember reading um it's almost the first half of the book where i was like what yeah. the hell is wrong with everyone like i was like this is yes this exactly is so messed up what i'm reading like this is deeply disturbed yeah. why am i reading this and then as you keep yeah. going you just get like Phew. the further you go into it, you're like yeah oh, it's like i hate it but like yeah, it's but I don't it's as well, and it's so like how good the language is. Yeah, it's just it's extraordinary and it's so poetic. I mean, yeah, and it made me want to be a writer because I kind of I was really um, blown away by how complicated it was and how complicated the reader response was and how intelligent he had clearly been and poetic and I I don't know and it also was the first time that I truly recall reading something and I'm talking aside from Gone Girl. Um, something that was, um, which I think I read after that, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So it was um, the first time I recall reading a truly flawed character, and that kind of blew me away. Blew me away because I, I don't know. I I love it. So like, I'm sorry. I know that that sounds really bad, given how you just described it. So thank you. But <laughs> look, it's it's fun. To- but like me and everyone else loves it. So whatever. I know. <laughs> I love the defensiveness. <laughs> Look, I agree. I, I almost enjoy describing it like that just because like yeah. we might as well get it out in the open. If we dance around it, it's almost yeah. it's like, oh, it's about a, a yeah. gentleman who, you know. Uh, no, he's definitely not a gentleman. Yeah, that's what I mean. but, but he kind of is as well. It's so, it's fascinating. Well, yeah, like, I mean. so And also the other thing is it's actually inspired a ton of um, books. Like, I mean, I saw, I'm pre- uh, what was the other one? There was one that came out last year that, felt like um, Lolita from the perspective of um, of Lolita, mm. but I can't remember the name of it right now. 
my dark Vanessa or something. Like when I got that, I got very strong Lolita vibes, right. but in the opposite direction. Um, and then I saw something, I saw another book um, advertised, which was something like being Lolita or something. And it was actually, um, uh, and from what I remember, it was about a, a girl who was given Lolita to read by her English professor because he was essentially trying to groom her for that. So, I mean, it is a book that has really inspired a lot of people, yeah. you know, to to come at it from different perspectives. And, like, you know, it's interesting. Uh, and, like, I think it does tap into um, a certain aspect of society which still kind of exists, yeah. not even to that extreme, but even the idea of just, like, the obviously older predator sort of person and the young innocent yeah. person and – then how they defend themselves as and, well. Like I guess that's part of what's. Oh my god! Totally. Yeah, because like. Totally. Yeah, like they. Yeah, like you said, the language is like I think the, one of the most interesting things which I've thought because I've thought about it, he's like what what is it? And I think one of the things is the fact that it's written from his perspective and he's going so out of his way to justify who he is and what he does. So it's just an excuse yeah. for the author Nabokov, whatever, to just go completely overboard with the language. Like it and is nuts with it. Yeah, it's yeah. so outrageous how flowery it is, but it's justified because it's the character. Yeah. But it's almost like no no author get, ever gets the chance to get away with being that flowery. You wouldn't though. Yeah, and, and yeah, you wouldn't get away with it unless it was someone who was so like toxic and dark yeah. that you actually had to do that in order to balance the the character, you know. It's almost like the use of language balances that other kind of toxic, dark aspects of him. I don't know. It's fascinating to me. Oh, so. no. And also it's just like technically so so good. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. I could see it is one of those books which I, when I, when I was like, oh, wow. I, yeah, I couldn't believe how well, just how good it was really, it's, even though it's, yeah. it, is, it doesn't shy away from what he is or what they, like. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. And even the way it describes some of the scenes, even though it's almost yeah. extreme metaphor, some of it, you're still like, I feel dirty <laughs> reading this. Yeah, exactly. I feel really, really bad. Yeah, it's like, yeah exactly. This, this is not nice. Yeah. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Um, so, yeah. so, have you, so you tried to carry that over into, like, what with your work, you tried to actually have that kind of moral... I didn't want to say ambiguity um, in his instance, but like. I do like, no, I think like mine are definitely not as extreme as that in any way, shape or form, right? Mine, but I do like morally ambiguous characters. So um, they're not, they're absolutely not to that extreme in the slightest, but they definitely, um, they sort of, you know, if you would think of like good to bad as a spectrum, they sort of skirt somewhere around the middle, mine. Right. Right. So, and they can dip into either side. Whereas I'd say his are probably a lot more towards the bad side. Right. Um, but I think my experience before that was that female um, protagonists tended to be written um, far towards the good side. Mm. You know, they could be victims and they could be, um, or they could be policemen chasing down a killer, or they could be something good. But or they could be femme fatales, which was all the way over on the on the evil side. Mm. But there, to me, I haven't been exposed to a lot of work 
where the woman was sort of in the middle and she could dip into either side, you know. And I really believe that that's a little bit closer to how we are. You know, in different situations, you call on different aspects of yourself, you know. And so it's interesting to me how people who could essentially be good could do bad things or who could dip into the darker sides, you know. Um, so I think I think that's why I found it inspiring. I don't know. I just know that it was the book that um, I read before I became a writer. So, oh, no, yeah. I, 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 it's funny you're mentioning that because that is something I feel uh, I mean, obviously, being a, it's always this, this, this issues are always much more difficult for a guy to unpack without bringing with it a yeah. lot of representation of something which I'm, I don't want to give at all. But it's something I feel a lot of the time with, uh, are you feeling Hollywood a bit? Like, as in the current spate of a yeah. lot of movies, is my example, but like where they're almost so scared of showing that complexity with women, they'll end up making them all superheroes. Like, as in, there's no, there's no, they're boring yeah. almost because there is no, they're just like, they're just the best at everything. And there's, there's, there's almost this tendency to veer too far into that. With like, there's no flaws. They don't make mistakes. Everything I do is perfect. And it's like, that's, yeah, it's kind of boring as well and as, yeah. It's boring because real people make mistakes. And I'm like, anyone who thinks that they don't make mistakes, like literally they need to do a proper inventory of like <laughs> their life <laughs> because I make, I make mistakes all the time. You know, I hopefully learn from them and hopefully they make me a better person. And, um, or a worse person. Like, you just don't know, do you? But I feel... Okay, that's true. <laughs> it's, right? Sometimes but they it happen. does make you... Yeah, it can make you worse for a bit. Hopefully you get better. Yeah, for a bit. <laughs> and then hopefully you snap back. Yeah. But it's not like... But it's not like you just kind of... Um, you wander... I certainly don't wander along doing everything perfectly the whole time. I try to do the best I can. But, you know, we're human. And I also think that by... Um, one of the other things is I really feel like by writing... Um, morally ambiguous female characters I kind of give my readers the I, I kind of let them feel like it's okay to be that way you know to make mistakes or not do the right thing at the right time or to try your best but you know screw up or to miss a clue or to you know do something based on something that happened to you years ago because you're carrying that baggage because that is the truth that we all experience on a day-to-day -day basis you know no that's a like a yeah again that sounds like really great that should be more stuff like that. Essentially, like now we just need like yeah, the full-on villains. Obviously, that's one thing. But you, you've you've, yeah. you've got that straddling point with the uh, ambiguity. So I guess like is that something you've felt before? You've um, you yourself like have been maybe like because you're saying how you want to present that and show people how it's okay. Is that maybe because sometimes yeah. you felt the pressure of again society being a certain way where like oh my god people are like oh you got to be perfect at everything and you're like yeah, yeah. like. Yeah, no. <laughs> I um, yeah, I um, I felt pressure pretty much my whole life to um, to sort of, I don't know, fit criteria. And I think women do all the time. I'm sure men do too. But it's like I can't really speak to a male experience, so I speak to the female experience because I'm female, you know. So, um, because when I say things like that, people always come back with, "Yeah, but men have pressure too." And I'm like, "I'm sure they do," <laughs> but I literally cannot speak to that experience because I'm not male, sounds like right? And I wouldn't feel like <laughs> immediate I know, right? <laughs> yeah, but, I know, but there are we some. Got, we get a bad too. Like, <laughs> I know, um, I'm like, I'm sure you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, that's, yes, everyone does have their issues, but it's important to understand the context of the conversation, things like that. Yeah. It's <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. so, yeah. so is that a pressure you felt like going, because as you've mentioned, you've traveled around a lot, you do a lot of things. So is that something you always felt like, it's kind of across all cultures, that kind of thing, where it's like an expectation of maybe acting yeah. a certain way and being a certain way. Yes. And the funny thing is, is that I do feel like the pressure has shifted. Like I'd say in the last five years, I think that society has changed a lot in terms of the way that they see women and the way and what's acceptable. And, you know, I think that's just, that in some ways it has definitely improved, but also now there's like another pressure on women that you're not allowed to be vulnerable. You know, like, so it's like now totally you can be strong, but don't you dare cry because you'll be called sniveling. You know, I, and I feel like, you know, we're human beings. Some days you cry, some days you're strong, some days you, you do the right thing. Some days you do the wrong thing, yeah. but most of the time you are trying, you know? And so I just, <laughs> I just try to put that across. Yeah. No, again, like that's, yeah, I a hundred, yeah. Like it's yeah. funny you're picking this book, which is the most extreme version of uh, what's yeah. that, ambiguity. It's just, he, you want to see a bad guy? We're going to frame the worst possible person and put, show you how even they can be sympathetic in terms of at least understanding 
where they're coming from. Yeah. Almost. Yeah, yeah. And I, that was what was so fascinating to me was, you know, if someone had told me that I would even be able to see a character like that and kind of understand them in any way, shape or form, I would have thought that they were high. So that was what made me think that it was just such an extraordinary work, mm. you know, that um, the Nabokov managed to elicit those kind of responses. I thought it was extraordinary. And, and actually now that you've had the experience of being an author, because like, yeah, you can appreciate on a whole other level, I guess. Whole other level. Yeah. 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 It's like that level is right, yeah. And, you know, like I've read, other, I've read some of his other work, of course, and, I mean, it's all great, but this is definitely the one that to me was – specifically great you know so yeah yeah it's a funny way of putting it specifically great yeah, so generally, yeah, yeah. yeah. more of a generally general great but this one's specifically yeah, great yeah. you know it's, it's being nice to everyone but um no i agree yeah. and, so I remember reading once because it's one of those people that you just when you read up on nabokov's like history you're just like yeah insultingly genius the guy is like is in terms of english was like his fourth language he he migrated from I know. Russia, and he just ends up writing the one of the greatest english language novels of all time Based yeah. on how good its English is, like that's yes, it's a level of genius. isn't it extraordinary? Oh, Talk about an overachiever. I know, makes the rest of us look so lazy. I know, <laughs> I know. Did um, but it, actually, in terms of the language side of things as well, uh, because you said you started off, you were writing songs, you're doing poetry and stuff when you were younger. Um, yeah, released. In, yeah, is this like a teenage years poetry sort of thing? Just it was a bit. It was definitely a bit of that. <laughs> I love it. There's even a judgment of yourself in that. Yeah, that was definitely a bit. And now would you mind sharing some with us from them? Hell no. Even if I had it, there is no way that shit would be burnt. Because <laughs> I, 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 I never went through that phase, but I love the idea of it, like having a title yeah. and letting your feelings out from in yeah. poetry form. I was, yeah. You did. But like, yeah, that, that would feed into like – yeah, because it's, it's interesting you, you came into it from that side. So you actually, because like obviously poetry and yeah. songwriting is more about the sound of the words and the shape of the words as much as it's about saying stuff. And the interesting thing is I actually think that music helps a bit because when I'm um, writing a book, I do tend to read it out loud um, as I go um, to get a feel for whether I feel like I'm really embodying the character's experience. And I feel that... Even with prose, there tends to be a rhythm about it that I feel like I have a relatively good grasp of only because I write songs of or a very specific grasp. It may not be a good grasp, but it's a very specific one personal to me as a result of writing songs where you had to make things. It was rhythmic, you know. Mm. So, so, yeah, I think I actually think that all your experiences truly come together and help you in different, um, in different ways, you know. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess then again, to go to the uh, what you've done seems to have done well is yeah because it's it's about like taking those experiences and synthesizing them in a way yeah, yeah to actually tap into them because you could be like yeah and then you kind of like I sort of remember this but then actually being like able to really recall it and then present it in the way you want is a uh, yeah and skill. use it for your work because it's like yeah, yeah. you're because when you're writing fiction obviously it's not true but it's like you need to take things that you have learned and truths that you have observed and put them into your work in such a way that it's putting across something that you're trying to say, mm. you know, um, and also that it's entertaining and fun for the reader. Like I'm a big fan of writing books that are fun for the reader. I don't want to write something whereby they have to push through it a bit like, you know, English um, class where you're given all these books. And I, I swear I was given amazing books to read when I was at school, but I didn't like even one of them because, A, I had to read them. Um, and I only liked them when I was an adult and went back and read them on my own. Um, but I just I just really don't ever want to write those kind of books that people feel like they have to push through, you know, that they're getting a lot of information and they know it's a good book, but it's not fun. I don't want to do that. I want it to be fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, right. That's uh, it's funny. Yeah, That's, like it gets good by page eight hundred. I swear. <laughs> just... Yeah, and I'm like, no, <laughs> needs to be a bit fun. Yeah, yeah, the whole way. Because life is like not fun so much of the time. Life can be like a bit dull and difficult. I'm like, you need if you're going to be watching a movie or reading a book, I want it to at least be a little electric, you know, to offer the escapism and the joy and the. Yeah, yeah. There has to be some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> for certain works, definitely 100%. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's true. Did, did all of your books uh, incorporate like different settings, like other countries or something foreign or is it? Is- yeah, the first two are based in London and the um, third one is set in Paris. So, um, but yeah, so 
Especially the answer to that is yes. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, the yeah, nice. No, so that's it. So you you said how the first one reflected your your breakup or whatever at the time, and obviously. And then no, it didn't it's not reflected, but yes, it just no, it didn't reflect it, but I use the feelings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I yeah, mean. I yeah, I use yeah. the feelings. Yeah. Um, was that the case with the next two? It's like I was in of a different thing, mm. or was it more like oh, now I've got to start actually writing and like planning more what I'm doing? I guess. Well, no, because the first one took a lot of planning too. It's just that I think I would have written a different book if I'd been in a different like if I wasn't full of like fury. I think I would have written a different first book, but it, I would have been full of something else. Like you know, I'm a feeler, so I'm always full of some some kind of emotion. <laughs> so whatever I was feeling would have gone in. Um, with the second one, it's about a woman who um, sees her husband on a dating app when her friend is um, swiping through it, and so she signs up to the dating app to catch him out, right? Mm. And I actually, I can't even really recall where, why I wanted to um, write that book, but I think it was just something whereby I was really struck by how, how easy it is these days to cheat and get away with it. And, and yeah, so it wasn't really a feeling that, that guided that one, but um, I mean, it probably was at the time, but I literally can't remember. Yeah. Um, and then the third one is about a girl who has basically just decided that she doesn't believe in love. And I definitely felt a bit like that when I started writing the book. So um, it was a very good way of, of using that emotion. Like I try to use wherever I, like whatever I'm feeling at the time to kind of create the kernel for a book. And then obviously I change, but, you know, the kernel's still there and things, have, and things kind of go the way they go. Right, yeah, because I and I guess that's the good thing about having set up your planning is so much at the start because that means you're in a good place. At like, yeah. even if your moods change, you've already got it there. What you wanted to say at that, you got a plan. Oh my god, totally. Yeah. And also, the other thing is that my plans always change. I do feel like I should say that. Like, I always go in with a plan, but my plan has never, ever, ever gone to plan. <laughs> Not even that's, one time. That does sound like life. <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, doesn't it? So, have you, so at least have you have you. <laughs> Have you decided love can exist or are you still in that mindset from two years ago (laughs) or however long it is? Do you know what? I am on the fucking fence. Sorry, am I allowed to say fuck? Yeah, yeah. I I am on the fence. (laughs) Like, um, but because I don't know, I think on one hand, I definitely believe in it. On one hand, I am like the biggest romantic ever. I am literally pack my bags and move to the other side of the world for some guy because I'm totally in love with him. Okay. That's me on one hand. (laughs) I refuse to answer that. <laughs> but Just track of your movements, that's all. But, <laughs> but on the other hand, <laughs> yeah, and right? New York, okay. <laughs> but on the other hand, I'm also, I kind of, sometimes I look at it and it just seems to me like, like, no, it doesn't exist. Like, um, you need to read my book. You actually need to read The Paris Affair and you will understand my thought process around this. But I'm kind of on the fence about it because I can see both and both are true to me, you know, equally true simultaneously, I think. But yeah, to say I believe in either one more than the other would be a big fat lie. Yeah. Okay. So (laughs) 50-50 on love existing or not. That's pretty. Yes, exactly. It feels like a stance already. (laughs) (laughs) 2020 was rough to us all. So I I get you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, That's okay. Well, that's interesting because like, would so is there like a cynicism there a little bit maybe to like other people or something like that or is there like what do you mean by cynicism well, i don't to know like as in about other like i'm just trying i'm just connecting lots of different things in my head right now because one thing i'm thinking of is like again yeah. as i can relate as being someone who travels with their creative stuff you so this this isn't the cynicism but that's like more it's hard to hold on to anything in that kind of lifestyle yeah um because a lot of people move around and that can make you feel a bit like I don't know. Do you feel like it's, do you feel like maybe it's, this is strange, but like I've thought of this. I'm like, it's not that love doesn't exist. It's just that love doesn't exist for me. It's kind of like how. Um, No, because I think what makes me jaded, if I'm going to be totally candid with you, is watching how it plays out for other people. Like I was in a lot of relationships my whole life. I've been single for a couple of years now. Right. Um, And I think watching how it plays out for other people or how, or the deception that happens or the lying or the cheating, or I think it's really hard to stay truly romantic when you're consistently watching that and hearing people's true experiences come at you, you know, and because people are really honest with me, mainly because I let them be and I'm really honest with them. Um, So, 
So I think my cynicism comes from that. It's not through a lack of wanting to believe in it because I do want to believe in it. Of course I do. I um I absolutely want to believe in it. I think like when I fall in love, it is huge. Like it's like drugs, you know, it is huge. And of course I want to believe that that um, is real and lasts and stuff. It's just that I get a lot of evidence thrown at me in the opposite direction, so it's tough. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's just some damning. It's some damning. You know, but surely, like, isn't there good evidence as well, or is there no good evidence? Um, no, of course there is good evidence. And like I said, I'm on the fence. It depends on the day you catch me as well. I must be honest. I'm moody, so it's like it really depends on the day you ask me. So, um, but I can't say. And like, I kind of conduct life a little bit like a philosophical experiment. So at some point, I am bound to get some answers to this stuff, and I will definitely email you and let you know. The audacity on you thinking like, you're going to get answers to anything. That's not how life works. <laughs> oh, that's so true. It's kind so of ambiguous. <laughs> yes, life, love does exist. You're like, oh, okay, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for letting me know. Life. Well, maybe it exists. Maybe it exists, but it just like it looks different, you know? Like maybe it exists, but it, um, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that question honestly because I don't know what I think. And I, that is the yeah, truth. no, that that's totally one hundred percent. So I guess uh, tied into that, um, we've just gone down this rabbit hole because I'm so interested because you're being very like thankful. Thank you for being honest about that. But like, was that yeah. something which happened? So it sounds like that was a recent change in you a little bit as well, just from seeing friends and probably your own experience of of looking at having more questions about yeah. the whole concept of love in the existing sense. Yeah, just questioning some things. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> like. Um, yeah. Okay. So, but it's really cool. I mean, like, it is a really interesting thing writing novels because you do. Um, I always think, you know, I write a book at a specific time in my life, and I couldn't go back and write that exact same book a year later or two years later. You know, I um, I tend to write about one a year, and they are very specific snapshots. You know, and I feel like if I was to take too long to write one, while there would be a lot of layering going into it, I would have changed so much that it would be very difficult for me to give a very strong first-person account, you know? Yeah. So it's like, for example, my fourth book, I don't even know if she believes in love yet. Okay, so this will probably be the telling point of whether I do. <laughs> Your fourth book? We will see. Yeah, I'm right. I've started it. So, <laughs> so we we're going to be watching. <laughs> We're all just watching yeah. your opinion on love. <laughs> Alter as it Book goes. Before it just exactly. starts off, love is shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is. Uh... I've actually been looking for a first line, so thank oh, you. That's right. I'm glad I could <laughs> like, Glad I could help with glad that. I could help. <laughs> um, yeah. I say so. But this does tie into like, even though you're saying it was an older thing than. Even though your your thing right now about not being sure about love, I guess being real in the conventional yeah. sense, it it I, and I don't want to say cynicism or jaded because I know what you mean. It's more complicated than that, but it's funny that, that and it changes. Yeah, but it, it, and, like it's it's cyclical. Yeah, it yeah. changes. Like I have felt this way before, and then I change. What's what I was going to say? It does so, it does seem to tie into both your love of ambiguity in characters and obviously the extreme yeah. we talk about, which is Lolita, where like there's. <sighs> I feel like there'd be people walking around who almost don't want to accept it because, like, wouldn't you? Like, I'm just coming up with this now, but like, as in, you'd almost think that getting his worldview and understanding it is actually being like, oh, like you can just be so wrong about yes. stuff. You know what I mean? Like, you can in, think you are so right, exactly. You can truly believe that you are right, and but be so wrong. Yeah. I mean, and haven't you been in relationships like that where you where it ends and you're like, oh my god, we were in different relationships. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you just did that. that what the hell was that? It's just, why did anyone warn me? Is, some friends are like, yeah, we did. Yeah, but it's unsettling, you know? Mm. So I feel like, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, because that, that's a funny thing. You're not just talking about the ambiguity of uh, the moral choices or whatever. You're also talking about the ambiguity of your yeah. own perspective on yeah. what you're doing. Your own worldview. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. as in how that can be so flawed, I guess. It can be hugely flawed and you can completely um, ignore all evidence to the contrary. You know, like I find, I just, I don't know, I think about this stuff and I find it really interesting, you know. Oh, 100%. Like as in the whole concept of uh, it's denial sort of, but it's almost like it's past denial. It's like just an alien yeah. worldview. And like we all have it, obviously. We're all limited in what we can yeah. take in. What we consider to be the truth, mm. right? And um that's just interesting. So, yeah. yeah, that's a yeah, that's a, that's actually I haven't thought about 
the leader from that <laughs> angle a little bit myself. So that's a, yeah. And, uh, yeah. actually that's a good question. Do you ever look, do, do you find, um, with your own book, uh, or your books, your previous ones where people come up to you and they're like, Hey, did you notice this? And you're like, Oh, you're like, Oh Yeah. <laughs> That's- they do read stuff into it and I love that because a lot of the time I think when you're writing something you do actually layer a lot of meaning in and I have done that like I've layered stuff in which I don't even know if anyone sees it but for me it's fun okay <laughs> so like I put symbolism or I layer coloring into it or like I, I layer stuff into it where um it does mean something but often readers will find stuff that I hadn't truly seen and and it blows me away it just go it it really, um, I don't know, it's a very satisfying part of the job, you know, especially when reviewers understand it. Like when a reviewer gets it and they truly understand it deeper than you could have ever hoped that they would, it blows me away. Like um, I'm super grateful for those reviews. Yeah, so, yeah. it's like not just under, like they appreciate it within that yeah. understanding. Like they fully get it and they like what you did. That's, yeah, that would be. Yeah, that'd be a real, it's huge yeah. and I love those. Yeah, because yeah, especially like the amount of time you spend on all that stuff, I could only imagine that would be, yeah. That'd be a great feeling. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it is a very good feeling. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess we should probably uh, call it there. Um, cool. Okay. Well, thank you very much. And yes, uh, anyone can pick up the book, The Paris Affair by Pip Drazel, wherever you get books, right? Yep. Wherever you get books. Awesome. Thanks very much for being on. Yeah. Enjoy, good luck with the next book. I can't wait to read it and find out your views on love. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks for listening. If you want to help support this show and all the other shows we do here at Sans Pants Radio, then why not subscribe to SansPantsPlus.com? For as little as $5 a month, you could have access to a whole bunch of bonus shows and content. Once again, that's SansPantsPlus.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.